Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful to you this morning. I mean, time and time again, you continue to work. You continue to move. Help us to be a people who just notice. Help us to be a people who notice your provisions over our lives because they are so many. Father, help us to become the kind of people who just praise your name over and over and over again. It's a wonderful, wonderful name. Father, bless these kids this morning. I pray you'll continue this movement you've started in them. Man, it has been such a great movement. And we pray for exponentially more because we know that we serve a God who is able. And so this morning, stir in their hearts, stir up their affections for you, and and help that seed to take root in their lives so that they will continue to transform and see your goodness and continue to serve you. Um, Because, God, that's, that's why we're here. And we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, have a wonderful time. We'll see you in a little bit. Good morning, Grace Meadows. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Boy, am I glad to be here. Oh, I just love that last song. It's just amazing. All right. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first, be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Amen. Thank you, Luke. You the man. <laughs> How are y'all? Good. You guys recovered from last Sunday yet? Man, what an emotional day that was. Um, I told, told my dad, I said, we'll invite you back in April, but we're going to have to have some canoes ready just in case we need them to get out of here. Man, what a good day. There's so much power in testimony, isn't there? And so all throughout this series, you're going to hear the power of people's stories and continuing today. We're in our second week of word of their testimony. And essentially, if I had to break it down, we're talking about um, completing our mission till the end. Now, how many of you guys have seen the movie Second Hand Lions? Few of you. All right. It's a 20-year-old movie, so I may ruin it a little bit if you haven't seen it yet. But again, it's 20 years old, so you've kind of had your chance, right? So... So it's, uh, it's about this kid. He goes and he lives with his great uncles. And they have this big farm. And uh, the great uncles, when they were younger, they acquired a lot of money. Well, one day these great uncles decide that the farm should have a lion on it. 
And it's this old lion. I don't even remember how they got it. I mean, how does one acquire a lion, right? How does that even happen? I need to go back and watch it. But, but they have this lion. It's this really old lion. And somehow or another, this lion forms a rapport, a relationship with this kid. Well, one day, an intruder comes in and starts harming this kid. And this old lion, frail and old as it was, gives everything it has left in its body to launch itself into this intruder, knock the intruder over, and then the intruder would kind of wiggle away and then run away, very scared, and get away from this kid. And then you soon find out thereafter that the intensity of this moment was just too much for this lion, and the lion did die in that moment. And one of the great uncles comes out there and and sees everything that's just happened and witnesses the fact that the lion's last move was saving this young boy. And then you get this famous line. I don't know if you guys remember this, but this famous line where the great uncle says this. He says, well, she went out with her boots on. That's the main thing. Now, since I saw that movie probably 15 years ago, that line has stuck with me ever since. I mean, this lion decided, I'm not going to ride off into the sunset. I'm going to go out riding off into the storm. I'm going to go out pushing back darkness one more time. And man, every time I think about that part of the movie, I just get pumped up. I mean, if you want Dallas to run through a wall, just remind me of that quote and I'll be ready to go. But the thing is, this example is nothing compared to what Jesus has done. I mean, in the death of Jesus, what he accomplished is far beyond anything anybody else has accomplished. I mean, think about the death of Jesus. He brought reconciliation between heaven and earth, and he made death itself lose its sting. Now, that's a good death, right? That's going out with your boots on. And for us, we can't really control how we go out at the end, but we can control the things leading up to that, perhaps It would be impossible for us not to go out with our boots on if we never take them off in the first place, right? And I think for us, if we can become the kind of people who devote our lives to serving and loving, then we will be exactly where we're supposed to be all the way till the end. Uh, Like Luke read in Matthew chapter 20, that's where we'll be. That's our main passage here today. There's the story leading up to it I always find really funny. Two of the disciples are trying to leverage their position with Jesus. They want to be at the right and left hand of God. So they do a really smart thing. I think this is a brilliant move. They get their mom involved. They say, Mom, can you talk to Jesus for us? And she says, essentially, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. And why this is a brilliant move is because they've seen that Jesus has acted on behalf of his mom earlier turning the water into wine so maybe they figure I don't know maybe Jesus has a soft spot for moms I just don't know right mom try see see where we can get well the other disciples walk in and they're pretty mad at these other two disciples they're like what are you doing and you imagine that there's this big argument that's breaking out you'd imagine that maybe somebody like Peter says whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa wait up wait up I should be at the right or the left hand of God. I mean, Jesus, you said that on this rock, talking about me, you would build your church. Of course I should. 
right? Or somebody like Andrew might have said, you know what, you called me first to follow you. I should be at the right hand of God. Or somebody like James saying, are you kidding me? I'm the brother of Jesus. Of course, I should be at the right or left hand of God. Well, Jesus intervenes here in verse 25. It says, Jesus called them together. I love that. I mean, what do you think that looked like? Guys, come on, huddle up, right? Stop your complaining. Stop your arguing. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. I love that that's its own sentence. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom, ransom for many. He says, guys, look, don't do what the world does. The world jockeys for position time and time again. But he says, not so with you. Why? Because Jesus himself shows us an example of serving, of serving, of serving his entire life. And then... Even when his hour comes, what does he do? Continues to serve. Continues to serve. I mean, what do people do usually whenever they know that they have very limited time left in their life? The question is, what do I do with the rest of the time that I have? Well, that answer was easy for Jesus. John 13, 1 says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Man, I just love that last statement. He loved them to the end. Is there anything better we can do with our lives than to love the people around us to the end? You know, many people will say, I want to do so-and-so. I want to do this before my life ends. I want to do this. I want to do that. Right? I want to experience this thing. But what Jesus does in John 13 is he says, all right, my hour has come, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve my disciples. I'm going to wash their feet one more time. He continued to do the thing he had done all the way up until that point. Why? Because that was worthwhile. And so for us, when our time comes, what would it look like for us to just say, you know what, I'm going to continue to do what I've always done to this point. I'm going to continue to serve, and I'm going to love people to the end. Because that's worthwhile. Now, one critical thing to note before we move forward is that uh, we can only serve others when Christ has served us first. Right? That perhaps before we put our boots on in the morning, we ought to let Jesus wash our feet. Right? The fact that uh, we love, because why? Because he first loved us. And so, we may find ourselves throughout the day, a lot of us may be like Peter in that story. Where Peter says, no God, no. I mean, Peter's ready to be wrung out for the gospel. But he says, Jesus, no, you, you can't wash my feet. I mean, you're the son of God. You can't, you can't do that. All right, it's too much. Don't do that. But what does Jesus say? He says, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part with me. I think a lot of us are, are ready and eager to serve, and yet we wonder where that capacity to serve comes from. We, we, we think, man, I'm just, I'm wrung out, I don't have anything left. And perhaps in those moments, we must go back to allowing Jesus to serve us first. 
Because it's his fuel, it's his energy, it's his spirit in our lives that allows us then to go and serve others. So before you put your boots on in the morning, let Jesus wash your feet. Then you'll be ready to serve others all day. Our capacity to love others to the end only comes when we allow Jesus to serve us till the end as well. Speaking of um, having your boots on till the end, uh, there's a guy that uh, you all probably know here. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but he, ha- he gave us a little bit of a scare this week. Uh, he had a major kind of cardiac event, and he's good now. He's discharged and everything. He's doing okay, so you know, continue to pray for him, but he's doing all right. And this guy, when I think of who I want to be when I'm let's say, advanced in years. This is the guy that I think of. He's always coming up to me. Dallas, I appreciate you so much. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing these things. And, you know, there's something about when, when a man just freely affirms other men. Man, that's like getting rid of self, right? Any kind of pride, anything there, just to freely do that. Well, I go visit him in the hospital um, this week, and He's clearly laboring. I mean, he's struggling. I mean, there's a moment in time this week where it just didn't really look good for him. And I came and visited him, and he tells me again, as hard as it was for him, Dallas, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful for everything that you do. And his oxygen machine is like beeping at him, like, hey, you need to stop. You need to breathe, right? But he had to let me know one more time, Dallas, so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful you, for you, even in the darkest moment. And I'm so thankful that God is giving him more time on this earth because we need him around. But had he not, he was determined he was going to go out with his boots on. And he was going to love and affirm the people he cared about all the way to the end. This is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what Jesus does here in John 13. All the way to the end. He's going to continue to love his people. And let me be clear. There is a time where we have no more capacity to do that. I want to be clear. But I do think that that is a lot less often than maybe we think because we have the power of God in our lives. Now, to get on my soapbox for just a minute, if you'll indulge me, I think one of the issues that we have with serving today is that we factor things into the equation we were never meant to factor into. Things like how we feel. I mean, feelings like we should give those things to God, and feelings can be useful. Feelings can help us. Like, if we experience sadness, it's easier to mourn with somebody who's mourning, right? And feelings can also help us identify some things that may be going on in our lives. But we were never made to allow our feelings to lead us. We're... we're, supposed to have God's will lead us and then form our emotions thereafter. And when God's will leads us, we're free to serve other people, and then we start to experience the emotions that Jesus experienced. Compassion, right? Mourning with other people, all those things. And so it is our decisions that lead our emotions, not our emotions lead our decisions. And thank God for that, man. I mean, have you ever thought about, like, if your emotions do truly lead your life, what that would lead to? I mean, do you wake up in the morning? Does anybody wake up in the morning and say, you know, I just really feel like emptying myself out and serving other people? Not often, 
But if we submit to God's will, then over time, we hope to become the kind of people who would say that. Who would over time say, yeah, my life is going so far beyond myself now that I can't wait to go and to serve other people. But that doesn't start within us. That starts by getting rid of self, not indulging self. Uh, in John chapter 12, there's a story where Jesus says um, that he, you've got to let the kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die. And in doing so, it produces life far beyond itself. And for us here today, that's true as well. That when we let go of self, when we let self fall to the ground and die, then we get to be a part of seeing God multiply that and grow new seeds and new life all around us as we're just faithful to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my emotions. I'm going to give you my insecurities. I'm going to give you my jealousy. I'm going to give you my pride. I'm going to give you all these things so that you can work with those and then watch what he grows out of that. So at this point, I hope you're thinking, okay, that sounds great, but what does that look like? Like, what does it look like for me to give up my life and to serve and to love people to the end, to go out with my boots on? Well, we've got one example that we're going to share here today, uh, Dan and Cheryl's story. We're going to show the video here in just a minute. And, and watch how God desires to do things in our lives. God desires to work in our lives over and over and over again. And if we just become the kind of people who say yes then we will see special things that go far beyond our own lives. This is Cheryl and Dan's story. Several years ago, when I was in Connecticut, God had his son, my dad, saying, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. For two years, I ran because I didn't feel qualified. I didn't know what that entailed. I was afraid. I went to a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night after... God putting people in situations in my path that needed attention for two years. And I finally surrendered. I said, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever you need me to do, I'm willing. But you are going to have to lead me because I know this is going to be bigger than me. Friday morning, I went to work and I was the administrative assistant for a company owner and we always had Friday morning staff meetings, and it was the shortest meeting of my life. He said, your position has been eliminated. Here is a check for $750. Go start your ministry. Within six weeks, we had a nonprofit formed, Master's Manna. We had 600 square feet in the basement of a church. We had all the donated equipment we needed to start a food pantry and a clothes closet. I was elated, I was humbled, and I knew it was just the beginning. One year later, we moved into 1,500 square feet. The third year, we were in 5,000 square feet in a warehouse. By the fourth year, we were in 11,600 square feet, and that $750 beginning was now over a $3 million budget. We worked with 13 local high schools because of 
the scope of what we were doing. We became an educational and vocational site for the students. We had showers, we had laundry facilities, an industrial kitchen because we had a family dining center. We had a chapel, we had classrooms, we had doctors and nurses, we had a vision center, we had dental, we had hydroponic gardens, we did non-emergency medical transportation. I saw people broken, I saw people suicidal, walk through the doors and walk out in victory. When they left, they knew that they had value and that they had worth and that God had them in the palm of his hand. It took me two years to say yes. And when I did, I knew that there was work to be done. I knew it wasn't always going to be easy, but I knew I was doing what God had called me to do. And he put the most incredible people in my path. And it was nothing that I had to do alone. But you have to get to that point where you're willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Through several situations in our life, God arranged for us to come to Tennessee. As we became involved in our life group, we kept hearing the same thing over and over again. There's a hunger in this congregation for people to be involved in ministry. We may not know exactly what that looks like, but I know that God has asked me to speak out again and to share with people. He did it once in Connecticut, and I believe that he wants to do something even greater here through this fellowship. I see an intentional community. I see a place where the things that we did at Masters Manor, all of those support systems that were created to help a person get from dependency to independence is gonna be recreated here. But the piece that we were missing in Connecticut was a housing component. It's very difficult to take someone who's in an abusive situation or in a homeless situation and get them all the support they need when they're going right back into the same situation. So we need that housing component as well as all the wraparound services. And I think for me, the things that I've learned in my life, there are so many people who want to do something but they don't know what it is that's needed and nobody has asked them. So I'm asking, and I have a whole list of things that would be needed. I'm imperfect. I'm broken. I have lived a very difficult life, but I know that God allowed all of that brokenness and all of those really tough journeys to make me the woman that I am today. So I know that when someone is hurting, when someone is in a difficult situation, I can stand there and say with no uncertainty that God is able to see you through this situation as well. And never think that you can't give something to someone. He's just waiting for you to take that first step. Jump in.
It's a great place to be. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. All you got to do is talk with Dan and Cheryl for about two minutes, and you'll realize that God is really doing something through this ministry. So if you have questions about how you can get involved with what is starting here in this community uh, through them, go ahead and talk to them after the service. And if you're here and you feel like, yeah, but I don't really know what I would have to offer, trust me, Cheryl will find something for you to do. She will help you operate in your giftedness. She's already asked me. She said, Dallas, can you make a list of all the people in our congregation and the gifts that they have? <laughs> she's ready. She's going she's to put you to work. All right? And I think as we continue, just to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. Pick me. Then we'll, what we'll do is we'll be dropping that kernel of wheat in the ground. And God will cover it up and he will grow new things far beyond ourself. If we just say, yes, Lord, pick me, I'll go. I want to say one more thing about Dan and Cheryl. Um, how do I say this? They're not exactly what I would call spring chickens. Is that fair to say? That's totally, totally fair. Thank you. I mean, think about how easy it would be to say, you know what, God, you've done so much in my life, and I'm just sort of going to rest on that, that you've done these things, but surely you're going to use somebody else now at this point. Surely you're going to. But they took those words from John 13 that Jesus said very, very, very seriously. That if we have one more day, or we have many decades to come, Man, what would it look like for Grace Meadows Church to embrace that idea from John 13, 1, where it says that Jesus loved his people to the end. And he loved them to the end. And may that be true of our lives. That we loved people to the end. The question I have for us as we go into worship. Are there parts of your life that you need to let fall? So that life beyond ourselves can be produced. Let those things fall so that we can love our people to the end. Earlier this week, God revealed some things. I told you as I, as I plan for messages, God will often reveal things in my own heart. And most of my life, I've dealt with a lot of insecurities, things like, Dallas, you're, you'll never be that great of a pastor. You'll never be that great of a father. You'll never do blank. And nobody's put those things on me but me. But over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed that that actually kind of shifted a little bit. That, e that, that pride started setting in some. And what God revealed to me is that uh, these things are not so different. That these are opposite ends of the same pendulum. And what I need to do is to let that pendulum fall completely from my lives. It is not about me. And when it cannot be about my kingdom anymore, when it cannot be about our little kingdoms anymore, but we come together and we say it's going to be about God's kingdom. Man, watch what God can do with that. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of being about my own business. I want to be about my father's business. 
And so as we go from here, the altar will be open for you if, if you need it. If you need to let some things fall from your life so that you truly can get your boots on and get ready to serve and love others to the end, man, let those things fall here today. And watch what God will do with that, that he'll bring life far beyond our own. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, these stories. God, just such an evidence of what you're doing over and over and over again. Thank you for Cheryl and Dan and their testimony. And I pray that you will use that testimony here this morning to, to help us to let things fall in our own life so that we can see things far beyond ourselves. Father, if there are things that we're holding on to this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, draw us to you. Help us to see you and a new way to say, yeah, I'd love to just submit to your kingdom, to your way. I'm done with being about my own business. I want to be about my Father's business here this morning. Father, if there are chains, break them. Break those chains. God, you are a chain breaker. You are so good time and time again. And your authority is unmatched here this morning. So we praise your name. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.